Welcome to Edgemont Bible Church in Fairview Heights, Illinois, where our mission is to glorify God by guiding people into a discipleship relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to today's message by our pastor, Douglas A. White. Revelation 18, looking here at verse 20. Okay. Now, Verse 20, it said, Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. Now, who's in heaven? Here's what we can know is in heaven. First of all, heaven's populated by its own population, right? The, the very thing that God created for. We know that there were a whole group of other Elohim besides Elohim the God. Besides Yahweh, there were other Elohim created too. Those were what we know as the divine council. We know also that there was a whole group of other angels that were created at that time. I'm going to remind you, angel is not a name of a being. It's a, a ministry of a being. It's a being who carries messages. Fair enough? It's a being who carries messages. Uh, there is also living creatures that are there. There are cherubim, also known as seraphim. Those are all there. There are a whole host of other creatures that are there. So that group is there. We also know that if you die today, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. So we know that the souls of the believers who have already passed on, who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, are also there. We know there are probably Old Testament saints that are also there. We know there's a lot of heavy population going to heaven. This is calling on that group to rejoice. Things have been happening here on earth, and they've been happening from heaven. That stuff's been going on back and forth from heaven. Matter of fact, you remember in about the middle of the tribulation, heavens were rolled back like a scroll. And as they were rolled back like a scroll, that means now that the earth beings are able to look into heaven. They're seeing things that are happening in heaven. They've seen the seventh trumpet. They have seen many of the things that are happening right now. You, you, you follow me? That's what they have seen going on. So that's all happening. In addition to that, they have... Um, the signs that have been coming from there, the things that have been open are coming from there. There's a whole lot of stuff going on. I want you to get this picture. Letter A in your outline. The interrelatedness of heaven and earth. The kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth are one. There is the kingdom of God. There has been a rebellion in the kingdom of heaven. There has been a, a rebellion in the kingdom of earth. The earth is about the human beings and what they're supposed to be doing to be in charge of this earth. And the, the kingdom of heaven is the angels and all they're supposed to be doing. And there's an interrelatedness that goes on between them. There's an action that goes on between them. One of the things is angels themselves. The angels were to be carrying messages from heaven to people who live in the kingdom of earth. There's rebellion going on in both places. There is an interrelatedness going on there. Now, listen, I, I said it this way. One affects the other, and they interact regularly without a news media outlet. Let me just share with you what I mean. There is not a, a nightly program that you can tune into and say, um, and hear a headline, something like this. Today, three of the principalities from Sector J39 in Galaxy X90 moved to Earth and motivated five people there to go in Nigeria and murder as many people as they could in the churches of Nigeria. You'll never get to hear it. They don't talk that way. They don't share with us. But can I tell you, things like that happen all the time. 
They happen all the time because there is an interrelatedness going on between heaven and earth all the time. Always has been. Remember, that's where the temptation came from, was a being from the heaven that is there in the temple of God, there in Eden, that tempted someone. This stuff is going on all the time. There's just that you don't get to hear about it all the time. Let me share with you. If I set this back up at the, the tribulation, I got the, the beginning of the tribulation here, middle of the tribulation here, end of the tribulation here. Everybody from this point on has been watching what's going on in heaven. They're not confused. They know where this stuff is coming from. They might not know why it's coming, but they're hearing the announcements. They know what's going on. They've seen what's happening. They know the interrelatedness. You've been living back over here. Matter of fact, we're living back over here before this tribulation period, and we're not seeing that interrelatedness. And if I can double it up, we don't want to see it. We have been told by psychologists there is no such thing as a spirit, and because there's no such thing as a spirit, there's no such thing as spiritual. There's nothing out there. We've been told by the naturalists that all we have is us and the material world. We've been told that same thing by the materialists and the communists, that there's only the material world. And we have believed that stuff. You follow me? We believe that garbage. We're living like we are naturalists. Kids, we are spiritualists. These stuff we should know, this stuff we should know is going on all the time. Why? The Bible records it happening all the time. We can look at the Bible and just say, that's old history stuff. That, that stuff doesn't happen anymore. Are you kidding? It happens daily right here. It's going on with us all the time. That's a reality we need to face, okay? Let me come up a little further here. Letter B in your outline. With all the might and the power of the mighty angels, they have held off reacting to the rebellious angels until God has given the command to do so. That is what separates the two angelic groups. Consider the prayer the Lord taught the disciples. We'll come back to that in just a moment. I want you to just consider this. There is a rebellion that's been going on in heaven. The divine council has been separated. It's been divided with each other. And the holy angels, those who are with God, have been watching this go on and knowing that they can't do anything about it until God commands to do so. Why? Because they are faithful holy angels. They will not act on their own. That's what the others are attempting to do is act on their own. But even in God's sovereignty, they can completely act on their own. Do you follow where I'm at? Because that's what they have done, the holy angels will not do that. That's what separates the two groups. So this holy angel group has been waiting until God gave the command, this ends. This is over. It's done. Now, If you remember back in Revelation chapter 12, so if you would, let's turn back there just a moment. Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12, the event we're about to read about is what took place at the very middle of the tribulation. After three and a half years, something significant took place at the middle of the tribulation. What was it? The Antichrist took the throne of God in earth and sat upon it calling himself God. That was called the abomination of desolation. That started a whole train of things that happened. Here in Revelation chapter 12, read this in verse 7. 
and war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast out to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now, stop just a moment. Before we go any further, what they did. This is middle of the tribulation. And now because the abomination of desolation has taken place, and God said the abomination of desolation is the trigger for the end. That's the trigger for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the biggie. When that one happens, look out for the rest of it. When you see that happens, get out. Run away. Get away fast because the rest of this thing is coming down like dominoes. It's coming down quickly. When that took place... There was a war that God declared in heaven, and he gave Michael and his archangels the opportunity to fight against what Satan had created, the rebellion that Satan had created. <coughs> and he completely cast them out of heaven. They're in heaven today, kids. That rebellion is there and in heaven today. That's where the stuff that I was talking about before is coming from, their rebellion. But at that point, middle of the tribulation, he boots them all out. There is not any more of that going on. Now, they've all come to the earth. Listen, that it goes on to say. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and all you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of earth <coughs> and the sea. For the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. Why does he know he has a short time? Because as soon as the abomination of desolation takes place, that war has taken place, everything in these next three and a half years is going to go rapid, 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 rapid. And it's going to be deadly. There is not going to be a chance to be repenting of anything. Everything that's been set in, you've been worshiping the image of the beast, you've got the mark of the beast, and it's all falling down for you. This whole thing is coming down. It's coming down to this, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the devil has three and a half years to get everything done he thinks he can do. He is so deluded, he believes that somehow he is going to gather an army together at the end of this thing and actually fight against the Lord Jesus Christ and win. That's why his time is short. And that's what's going to separate. You see, the angels who've been watching this rebellion go on for all of the time, everything since the beginning, and have wondered, why? Why are we holding off? What's going on? And trusting fully in God that God knows exactly what he's doing. When the right time comes, we will do what we're told to do. And as at the middle of the tribulation, the right time has come. It was at that time that all the kingdoms that Satan had, all the kingdoms of the earth that he's been in control of, all the principalities and powers that are under his command, it's at that point their kingdoms were transferred from their authority to the kingdom of Christ. That's a legal transaction that took place in heaven. God's not giving them that anymore. You say, wait a minute, when did he ever give them that? I'll take it back in history now. Here's the beginning of time. Let's go back here to this Tower of Babel incident. It was at the Tower of Babel where all the nations were confused and divided. 
that each one of the principalities of the the divine council were given one of those nations to be ruler over. You follow me? To be the one who teaches them, who guides them, who shows them what it's going to be like in the new place they've been given to live. And they instead of staying in the guidance way, they became the gods of those people. Everybody with me? They became the gods of those people. So now people are worshiping them, making idols about them as if they were God. They usurped the authority of God, and God has allowed that all this time until that moment. And now you hear them say in heaven, the kingdoms of this earth have become the kingdoms of our Lord. In other words, God just re- took back all authority that any of those principalities and powers had over any of those nations. It's taken back. And it's been transferred to his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. All right? Let's go on with letter C. The satanic Babylonian principle is to do things on one's own specifically independently of God, specifically independently of God. Its primary concern is the immediate gratification of what one desires and being one's own boss. That is angelic rebellion and the human rebellion. Now, follow me here. Satan marketed himself. When Satan rebelled against God, it is said for us in Isaiah and in Ezekiel that he said to himself, I want to be like the Most High. I want to be in charge. I want to have equal authority along this way. I want people to look up to me. I want to be in charge of things. And that's where it started with this. And he marketed himself to everybody else in that that's what stirred up the whole um, principality and power rebellion that went on. He convinced those principalities and powers that they could have authority like God. That's how they came to be the gods of those nations. So he's the one who stirred this whole thing up. He's the one that brought this whole thing into play, and they have followed him. Now all that authority is gone. As it says in letter C, it is to do things specifically independently of God. It is to do things on your own. We like that. We, We like to be able to say we did things on our own. We did it our way. We like that. And I want you to know that's the Babylonian way. That's what the Babylonian way means. If I can say, I've come to the realization that it was that whole angelic rebellion that created Babylon, that created the prostitute, that mother of all harlots. That's the one who created it. They're the ones who did it. And they did it to keep people under control, to keep people pleased. You could do it either by force or you could do it by pleasure. They've used both. They like to use pleasure, so they seduced kings to follow their way by telling kings what riches they could have. And those kings committed fornication with her, and as a result of that, everybody else got drunk from that sort of thing. So people have been living the Babylonian way since that time. Everybody with me? That is the very basis of human rebellion. It's the very basis of angelic rebellion. Letter D in your outline. The war in heaven has ended the corrupted interference in the kingdom of heaven by the angels in rebellion. And we read that just a few moments ago, uh, Revelation, yeah, Revelation 12, 7 to 12. We read that. It's the destruction of Babylon is then the beginning of the end of the human rebellion. So what happened? The war in heaven ended the 
angelic rebellion. Now heaven was clean of them. And now you're going to have to destroy Babylon to have the end of the human rebellion. So Babylon goes down first. The, you've got more that follows from that, but Babylon's going down first. That's why you're hearing that rejoice, O heavens. What you have looked for for all those years here is happening. Rejoice. Get happy. You have wondered, what's God doing? Why is, he, why is the hesitation? Why is he holding off? But we won't question God. These guys are bad. I mean, you even read of, of uh, Michael, the archangel, and Satan contending over the battle, uh, contending over the body of Moses. There is a struggle that's gone on that they've had to back off from until God gave the command for it to happen. When God gave that command to happen, it's time to rejoice, heavens. It's time to get happy. All you angelic beings who loved God, it's time to get happy, all right? So <clears throat> that uh, war in heaven ended the uh, angels in rebellion. The war, the, the Babylonian destruction is going to end, begin, is the beginning of the end for the human rebellion. The angels had already announced at the sounding of the seventh trumpet that the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of Christ. And that's Revelation 11, uh, uh, 15. Uh, let me see. I'll find that for you. Read it real quick. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And that started a whole volley of praise and adoration for the living God that had gone on among the elders and among others that were in the angelic group. Letter F in your outline. These last moments of the last half of the tribulation will see the human rebellion ended with Christ's second coming. So as, you're, as we work our way in this tribulation down to this moment when Christ comes, remember there have already been several demonic spirits that have been sent out to recruit everybody. They're bringing everybody to the valley of decision. They've been bringing what, uh, three frog-like de demons that went forth and encouraged and motivated all the kings of the earth to bring all their armies to this one place because this is where the battle is going to be fought. At the second coming of Christ, which we'll get a chance to look at a little bit later, at the second coming of Christ, this human rebellion is coming to a close. They don't have a support now from Babylon. They don't have any of that any, going for them anymore. What they've got now is instead just this end of all things, that bloody rebellion that, that comes to an end right there. All right. Then let's go to the back side. He's got one more there because he didn't just say rejoice, O heavens. He said rejoice, holy apostles and prophets. So let's, let's take a look at that just for a moment. In Revelation 18, uh, verse 20, it had said, Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. <clears throat> the credibility of the apostles and prophets whose messages had been mocked and scorned due to delayed fulfillment has been restored. They can now rejoice at the proving of their divinely given messages. So where are the holy apostles and prophets? Where would they have been? In heaven. Why? They had been killed. Why? Because of their message. And their message had been scorned and scoffed because they said, Christ is coming again. And they scoffed at him and said, there's no Christ coming again. And he didn't come again. And as Hebrews says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises. 
So here's all the apostles and prophets who had seen that Christ is coming again, but prophesied that Christ was coming again, and the apostles had taught that Christ was coming again. They had taught that Jesus is that Christ, and yet their message didn't get fulfilled in their day. But on the day that Babylon is destroyed, and they can see that the whole human rebellion is being crushed. Now, be confirmed, guys. What you said was going to take place hundreds of years before is now being taken place. You have been confirmed. You have been proven correct. So rejoice. Though you died without having seen it, Though you died at the hands of cruel people who stoned you to death, who sawed you in two, the people who made you took your head off, the people who burned you at the stake, the people who said all those things, now let you know this, you can rejoice. Because God just now is fulfilling what he said he would do. Get happy, guys. Get happy. Everybody with it? That's what's going on here. That's what's happening. That's why he says the holy apostles and holy angels are are, uh, prophets. This is what's happened for you guys. You guys were not wrong. And though you may have thought, maybe at that last moment, when that last stone was about to hit, where you're thinking, was I right? Was I still right with this? Yes. Yes, you were. Yes, yes, you were. Wow. To have it all, you know, it's like the souls that were underneath the altar who were crying, how long? How long before you avenge us? How long before you bring this about? How long before you change this? Remember what you promised us? How long? Let me ask you something, guys. Is it unusual for God to delay fulfilling a promise? Ask Abraham. Ask Sarah. It's not unusual for him to do that. It would be unusual if he didn't do it. But he always does. And these guys are getting to see the fulfillment of it. Let me go on then. Let's talk a little bit about it, verse 21. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found anymore. You know, when I first read that, I thought, isn't that kind of anticlimactic? I mean, you've got all this bloodshed burning the whole nine yards. It's all down. You need a millstone? And I started looking at it a little bit more. And wait a minute, this is, this, when it says great millstone, this is this, the words used to describe it. This is huge. And an angel's picking this thing up and throwing it into the sea. Now, if it's huge, it's also heavy, right? So where do you suppose an, uh, a, a rock that's just really, really heavy that you throw into the sea, where do you suppose it's going? Would, would you guess with me kind of straight down? Is it going to stop until it hits something solid? What's the chance of it coming back up? Zip. So what was this angel saying? This destruction is so complete and so total, it's at the bottom. And you can't bring that back up again. There will never be another Babylon. You may have contended with that rascal for many thousands of years, but you will never see her again. And there are never going to be any more of those. Well, matter of fact, let's look at it. I think it goes on to tell us a few things about it. Thus the violence with the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found anymore. Verse 22. The sound of harpists, musicians, flutists, and trumpeters shall not be heard in you anymore. So if I can say this. 
No more sights and sounds of a people given over to their own vanity and thoughtlessly sustaining it. You know, guys, when you think about what God wanted us all to do and the big world that he gave us to do it in and all the great things that he gave us to do, the fact that we would gather ourselves in cities and have silly little concerts to our own glory doesn't even make sense. To have celebrations of death, you say, no, this, is not, this is not celebrations of death. It may as well be. Because the things that we are attempting to build are vanity. The book of Ecclesiastes will 100% right. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. The stuff that we celebrate oftentimes is just vanity. I know that many of you have been to a concert like, like I have been. Or you've watched one on TV or whatever else. You've been to something. You... Can I ask you a simple question? Why? I, I mean, I, I like to see how people put together a musical ensemble. It's wonderful. It is a beautiful thing to see. When we get to it, after all, why? What did it accomplish? How did you get any better from it? What did it do for you? Was it not really just more of the same vanity? You say, well, but we need to have some amusement and some entertainment, don't we? How much? How much is enough? You know what Babylon would say? A little bit more. A little bit more. That'll be enough. That music's not, is it because God's opposed to music? You've got to be kidding. No, 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 no. God loves music. God has a whole lot of music where he's at. He has a whole lot. Who do you think designed music? Who do you think created music? It was him. He loves music. But you can't use music for vanity. Music has a purpose like everything else does. And it is supposed to convey truth. And when it doesn't, no more sounds of vain celebrations are found there. No, no crafts of men creating things for the vanity of the Babylonian way. You know, I, I love the creativity of people, and I love the, the freedom you have in America to create anything you want to. But boy, some of the things... <laughs> It, it, gifts for the one who got, has everything. You ever looked at the catalog of the gifts for the one who has everything? Talk about vanity. Man, here is a suitcase that lifts itself. You, you'll never have to carry this suitcase through. The, I mean, here are things that does everything. Vanity of vanity. You, you follow what? Here's a craftsman that's learning to create on a craft that you will never need. But somebody might. Is it because God's opposed to craftsmanship? Not at all. But a craftsmanship that's just dwelt going back to you totally? I mean, when you think of craftsmanship, think of the tabernacle. Who was it crafted that? And he bought, brought special craftsmen for it. It's not because God's opposed to craftsmanship. It's why it was done. It was done for vanity's sake. No more commercial trade in the creation of fine foods shall be heard in that city. It, the fine foods are what sustains a wicked people. It, it says here, 
The sound of harpists, no craftsman, uh, any craft shall be found anymore in you. Verse 23, the light of the lamp shall not shine in you anymore. Uh, I'm sorry, the sound of the millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. Is it because God's opposed to millstones or he, God hates flour? No, it's what it was doing. This was the food that was created to sustain a wicked people or let the wicked people keep doing the same wicked thing over again. That's why it was. It's Babylon that's being destroyed, not the idea of craftsmanship, not the idea of music. That's not what's being destroyed. God loves those. What's being destroyed is the city and the things that supported that city, the the things that kept that whole wicked place going. If it didn't have any food, if it didn't have any craftsmen in it, would they have been there? No. You get out of those places quick. Where there's not a place to shop, don't you move on? But you find a new place to go, man, if, you, if you're looking and you can't, there's no stores in this city, that may sound like it's a neat little thing. Uh, I know a lot of people want to go back to the, the old ways again. Uh, if, if you've ever lived the old ways, you may not be one who wants to go back the old ways. You understand what I'm saying? If you've never lived them, if, if you've only read about the old ways and you, you think you've got this romantic feeling about the old ways, I, all I ask you to do is go spend a couple of months at somebody who's living the old ways. And that may end your dream. I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna share with you. It's it's not always great fun, people. When you uh, you can't take a vacation, there isn't such a thing as a vacation because there's nobody there that's able to take care of your 600 cows. There's nobody there that can take care of all your crops. Nobody there who can harvest. We I, I can't think of the number of times that we've planned our vacation so carefully that we lost out totally on all the on the. Uh, 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 harvesting of our tomatoes because they all they all came to ripe while we were on vacation and i came back to find here's some rotted tomatoes mm, well, i'm glad we planted these plants you understand what i'm saying it ties you up kids it ties you up i like all the technology i, I like it fine you can't live in dreams you have to be able to accept what's going to come with that dream when you get it all right the city will be taken over with little or darkness that matches its spiritual darkness. This city was so deep in spiritual darkness, you couldn't find the light of Christ in it if you were looking. And here it says, the light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore. So this whole place is getting very, very dark. And it goes on to say, and the voice of the bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. Is that because God hates marriage? No, it's where it was being done. It was that they were celebrating things of the vanity of their own wickedness. That's why it was being done. There's no more celebrations of natural relationships. Letter six, or number six. No more glory and honor for merchants who created that false system of values and commodified all things. The ones who helped sustain human lust and profited from it. These are the pimps and pushers. Look, if you would, please, what it says in 23. Um, 23 says, for your merchants were the great men of the earth, for by your sorcery all the nations were deceived. I want you to stop and think with me just for a moment. <clears throat> they were passing on. The, the merchants became the great people. Why did they become the great people? And which merchants is it? This is the merchants of Babylon. It's not talking about merchants. It's not because God hates commerce. It's not because God hates merchants. It's where they were merchants. It's what they were merchandising. 
If you remember, they merchandised human souls and bodies there as well. It's what they were merchandising and how they were profiting from the merchandising of things that were vanity. It was why it was being merchandised. That's what God was opposed to, and that's why it's not going to happen in that city anymore. They've done the wrong thing. If you wouldn't, consider with me what it says is, for by your sorcery all the nations were deceived. That word sorcery, that is the, the Greek word pharmakia. And pharmakia is where we get our word pharmacy. It had come from the old alchemy. The old alchemy was about how you can, uh, through processes, sometimes of sorcery, sometimes of just chemicals, you can change any substance you want to into another substance, preferably gold. So they're always looking for ways that they could turn iron into gold. They, they were looking for this little element, that little element, and you get all kinds of, I won't even go into all that. There's, there's all kinds of books and formulas and um, uh, chemistry and all kinds of things that go into that. There was a whole study of its own, but it usually dealt with sorcery. It usually dealt with magic. It dealt with um, how to use powers of the principalities and beings. That's what it was about. And they learned to use, by sorcery, drugs because drugs took you into an alternative state. And then in that alternate state, you would do the things that you were suggested to do by the one who brought you into that alternate state. You, you would follow the, the guidelines that were given to you. There, there are a lot of very famous people now going down into the Amazonian jungle to get a, a chemical that's called ayahuasca. And in that, that ayahuasca, it is a... Um, hallucinogen that will take you to new levels of understanding, new levels of spirituality, new levels of everything. Um, that's going on right now, kids. But the sorcery they were using was not necessarily just drugs. They used the sorcery, the same sorcery that Babylon used. Wouldn't you like to have that? What could you do if you had one of those? All it'll cost you is your fortune, but I'll give it to you. It can be yours. You can have the whole world. How many of you saw Aladdin? The Walt Disney Aladdin. Remember Jafar? What would you like to have? Greater power than all! And they kept asking the same question. That's the sorcery. How much do you want? What would make you happy? If you could have all that you wanted in the world, would you take it? It's yours. I have it. At a cost, it's yours. Little. That's the sorcery used. And that held people in sway, in captivity. It held them there. And what they're saying is, because Babylon, like a giant stone, has been thrown to the bottom... That won't be there anymore. So he ends it up this way. He says here in verse 24, And in her was found the blood of prophets and saints and of all who were slain on the earth. Those prophets and saints are the ones who were able to look at it and say, That's vanity, man. 
That's vanity. What are you pushing this for? What are you trying to get this for? Why do you want this Babylon thing? Don't you see it's vanity? Don't you see it'll trap you? Don't you see you'll be a slave to this thing? Don't you see it kills the people who go to it? If you're going to talk that way, you can't live here anymore. (laughs) Cut your throat. Shoot you down. Torture you. Whatever we have to do, but you're not going to be here anymore. And that's the life of Babylon. And all the slain of the world who saw what Babylon was and didn't want a part of it are found in that city. Kids, Babylon is an ugly thing. And it has an end. It's still with us now. But it has an end. So all of you apostles and prophets who have looked out there and said, I don't want to be a part of that. That thing scares me. That is, that is a nasty thing. That's a trap. That is a thing that will kill me. I don't want to be a part of that. Then maybe because of your uh, expulsion from that society, maybe because of your slaughter from that society, maybe you'll know this. You will be one day justified for what you did. You will be understood And you will know that the message you were given by Almighty God was a true message. And it's now been confirmed. Fair enough? Don't believe lies, people. And don't let the siren song of a Babylonian whore in any way grab your attention. Tie yourself to whatever mast you have to tie yourself to and don't hear her. Come through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come through the the, the not loving your own life to the end. But don't believe those lies. Father, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for what he's doing in each one of us. Thank you that he is the Messiah, that he is the one true one. Today, Father, if there's anybody in, in the hearing of this message, draw them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Draw them into that relationship. They need the Lord Jesus Christ. We know Christ is coming soon. We see the signs. We see the things that are coming. We want to be a faithful people to the end. We want to occupy and do those things you've given us to do. So give us that opportunity, Father, but don't let anybody leave here without knowing Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Help them set aside all the vanity, all the the negative calls that the adversary would give to take away the seed of the word and grant to them that they might have knowledge of the living God. In Jesus' name. We hope God has encouraged you with today's message by Pastor White. Thank you for joining us at the Edgemont Bible Church. We'd love to have you visit us if you're ever in the area. For directions, more information, or to support the ministry of Edgemont Bible Church, please go to our website at edgemontbiblechurch.org. That's edgemontbiblechurch, all one word, dot org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Edgemont Bible Church, where the Sunday morning message is broadcast live.